0: several tangents. I'm recording in a car because that is currently my life right now. I have been working for eight days straight and I've still got one more day to go and I frankly don't have the energy right now to set up my usual equipment after work and record in my usual setup. So I'm going to maximize my time and record on my commute home this isn't the first time I've done that. So I mean, you're just gonna have to deal with it. So this is going to be another episode about the current pandemic that is happening. Firstly, because in case this is news to you, the pandemic is not over. Although I think if you're listening to this podcast, I've said it enough times that you've probably gotten the hint. And also again, because I am working like in the medical field, literally in a lab testing for COVID-19. So it's very relevant to me. And a lot of things have changed, I think, since the last time I've talked about the pandemic. Certainly they've changed in the States, not for the better. And they have changed in many parts of the world for the better, including Canada, I think. So currently, Ontario is in its second stage of reopening, and we're expecting to hear more details about stage three, I think actually it was supposed to be today. So different provinces did their reopenings differently because every province was affected a little differently. For example, the maritime provinces out east, so those are the island provinces, they're cases were very little because I think if I am recalling this information correctly they pretty much shut down the provinces very quickly so that meant that people who were like traveling from outside of that province were not allowed in and even now if you were to travel to those provinces you have to self-isolate for two weeks when you get there before you can actually do anything, which really discourages people from going unless they've A, got a lot of time off work and B, really, really have to go. Um, I guess unless it is for work, in which case if your workplace is letting you self-isolate for two weeks in a lovely maritime province, I mean, good for you. Ontario is definitely a much bigger population with I think much more international visitors or many more international visitors and a lot of areas with very dense populations such as Toronto itself is very populous so naturally our numbers uh, were a little higher so I think I did have to disagree when the first stage of reopening um, started because this, the experts seemed more on the fence, and I think when you're talking about a pandemic, if the experts were on the fence, then it is definitely better to err on the side of caution. Luckily, it seems most people are somewhat responsible, and this is just based on my own observations. Like. Even before, we had a lot of people who were taking walks during the lockdown, but they were keeping to their own families and maintaining good distance between them and other people. So I've mentioned that people would actually walk onto the road so that they could keep enough distance between them and like the other pedestrians that are walking towards them or um, in front of them. So in my little area, most seem to be pretty diligent. Also, it's raining if anyone's wondering what that sound is, if the microphone can even pick it up. So you can probably hear my windshield wipers and the rain. Yeah, it's very atmospheric, this episode. (laughs) Uh, I do know that they're, like, with the relaxing of roles, especially younger people. And I'm not just talking about millennials because everyone likes to shit on millennials, but just kids as well. Like, I've noticed that they've kind of stopped being as cautious, especially because parents are probably sick of their young children. You know, I don't say that in, like, a negative way. I just say that based on what people, like, what parents themselves have said. It, I can only imagine how difficult it must be to be basically locked in with your young children where it's summer and they want to go out and play and they weren't allowed to go out and play and see their friends so I think unfortunately this means that parents are a lot quicker to let their kids go out and play with their friends without worrying about you know social distancing and you know keeping your social circles small enough and of course the kids aren't going to listen because depending on how old they are like really young kids might they just simply don't understand and like middle schoolers teenagers well we all know at that age we all think we're invincible or many of us do and I think I've talked about this in at least forensic friends if not on this uh, podcast in one of the tangent episodes from forensic friends that developmentally uh kids and teenagers don't always understand long-term consequences, and only understand immediate consequences. So if you tell them things like, if you get sick, you might be fine, but your mom and dad and your grandparents might get really badly ill and might in fact die from it, it's not really going to click because that's only a possibility in their minds. And it just, it seems like, oh, that's never going to happen. Like, that's so crazy. That's never going to happen. But what makes you special? You know, unless you come from a family with extremely strong, like, super soldier immune systems, it could happen to anyone. And also that is to say, again... That just because you are young and healthy with no underlying health issues or at least no known underlying health issues that doesn't mean you're going to make it out of it okay because plenty of people who you would expect to be the very picture of health did not make it out of this illness okay so yeah it's still a thing like again with reopening means people start thinking that it is okay and even though workplaces Public places are trying to, or mostly trying to adhere to social distancing rules and certain precautions, it's hard because you probably have reduced capacity and you've probably got reduced staff because you don't want too many people in a building or in a space at a time. Again, social distancing. And just because you might have reduced number of patrons doesn't mean there's less work because now you've got to disinfect everything thoroughly before and after. And you know, all these things that like, just you never had to think about doing before. And that's hard. And it is really tempting to cut corners because again, you kind of think like, oh, like it's not gonna be that bad. There's one little thing, it, it won't be that bad. And a lot of the times it won't be. But that one time, that's, that's just how our luck works, right? That one time you relax on a precaution is gonna be that time when everything fucks up. So yeah, right now in certain municipalities, they are enforcing mandatory masks indoors, which I don't know, it, because like mandatory mask indoors is easier to enforce. Like, you know, if you're walking down the street, even if it was a busy-ish street, like, you should still be wearing a mask. But that is much harder to enforce. And patios have opened up, which, like, again, it's this idea that if you're outdoors, it makes it better. And some of it is because it's not exactly, like, it's not exactly airborne. Like, the virus is in droplets from like your your nasal your oral areas and like in theory those droplets could kind of hang in the air so that's what makes it quote-unquote airborne so like being in a well-ventilated place would definitely help dissipate those droplets and reduce the risk so yeah being outdoors will reduce the risk but again it's this whole like Just because we're reopening, just because this is okay, means that it's all done now. And it's not. And, you know, we see it in all those places in America where they reopen and then have to shut down again. Because people were, they, like, you know, the people who were genuinely being cautious started throwing caution to the wind because... They think it's all fine now since everything's reopened. Or they were just so done with everything that they threw caution to the wind. And, you know, that that's an issue. Like, recently in Toronto, a nightclub was busted because nightclubs aren't allowed to be open yet in Ontario. And this nightclub decided to hold a secret party that was letting in people through the back door. That's not a euphemism. <laughs> but they were letting patrons in through the back door and obviously they weren't practicing social distancing. I know in Quebec they've allowed bars to reopen so they put restrictions like obviously distance between tables and also you can't like dance like you can't go to a dance floor you have to be sitting if you're going to be drinking. So I guess that could work, and just based on what I've seen, their numbers are comparable to Ontario right now, even though before their numbers were quite a bit higher. So it like it does seem to be working, so I think that's what we in Ontario are going to be moving towards. Also, the other thing is COVID testing, so as I'm sure you know, in Canada we are very lucky to have universal healthcare. And I guess what people don't necessarily understand if you're from the States is that universal healthcare doesn't just mean a free for all (laughs) of coverage. Like there are certain things that aren't going to be exactly covered. And I do believe coverage is actually dependent on the province because healthcare is a provincial uh, thing. And you know, even though you're not making people pay out of pocket for health services, tests and procedures and appointments and stuff do cost money like reagents cost money the work of people performing the task costs money then you know that's coming out from basically taxes right so of course with certain tests you can't just get them because you want them so with covid when it first started the testing the testing had to be approved by public health ontario which is our provincial lab and they were the only ones who were doing it. It's it's not exactly like CDC in America, but I guess it's a similar idea. It's public health. So it had to be approved by them. So that meant that the patient had to provide information about their travel history, potential exposure. Like, for example, there was someone who was in Beijing, and flown back to Canada, and there was someone who was on a plane with someone who did test positive. So, you know, like reasons to make testing justified. And then community spread started happening. So more and more people were getting exposed, and the restrictions changed. So now you have to have symptoms and or travel history or like possible exposure and it still had to be approved up to a certain point and then after a while because they were just getting so many calls about testing public health was like no just just send it we'll test it it's fine (laughs) and then because so many people fit the requirements for testing hospitals started validating their own tests and started like testing in-house which is what both of the hospitals that i work at have been doing so but at that point the approval process is really more at the front front end like if you are going to emerge for example they would ask for that clinical information to see if you should be tested And then when reopening after well actually on the day of reopening the premier of Ontario told everyone to just get tested so now they're opening up testing regardless of whether or not you're symptomatic which sounds great because as I'm sure most of you guys know you don't have to be symptomatic to have the infection or you could be pre-symptomatic but you still have a chance of infecting other people obviously symptoms are different in everyone so for I guess like ease of mind and also just safety like if you know you have it then you know you have to social isolate in a time where we no longer have to social isolate in the same extreme level so it is good to know the problem is the labs weren't prepared for this they didn't tell us that we were going to have this huge influx of tests coming in and I think I did mention at least once or twice on this podcast the province had implemented uh, pandemic pay which is basically a extra four dollars an hour for certain professionals that were working through the pandemic in either high risk situations and or like directly related to COVID-19 itself. But guess what? Even though workers like hospital line cooks and uh, hospital chaplains, 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 I don't know, are getting this pandemic pay, the lab professionals who are actually running these fucking tests aren't. And I know it sounds like I'm being greedy, but it's just the insult of it. Because throughout this whole pandemic, the premier has been pushing and pushing and constantly saying like we're not meeting our testing targets and we need to do more we need to do better well bitch stop being so fucking unappreciative because if it weren't for us you wouldn't be anywhere near your targets because the tests wouldn't be done I'm still livid about it I'm still angry about it I know it's not the most important thing but like yeah I'm I'm going to uh post this comic that my friend had sent me that just illustrates what really has been happening. But anyway, I'm still mad. So we didn't have the preparation for this. Like There was a point when we were worried if we would even have enough extraction kits to perform the tests themselves because of course every hospital is now trying to stock up even more and they can only make so many kits at a time, right? And, of course, there's staffing issues because, like, these labs are generally kind of understaffed to begin with. You know, universal health care or not, like, hospitals still have budgets. And, unfortunately, those budgets can sometimes be very restrictive. So there's usually the bare minimum of staff members on hand um, to handle whatever's coming in. So I tweeted about this yesterday because I was tired and salty since I was working a 12-hour shift because we were short staff. so I stayed an extra four hours to help out the evening technician. But, like, we're a lab that literally receives hundreds of swabs a day. Like, and we do keep track and count the swabs that we're sending out because we don't have Um, the equipment to process all of those yet. I don't know how we keep track of the ones that we regularly do in-house, but I know for sure we are getting at least several hundred swabs. And on a normal day, and yesterday when I left at 7 p.m., there were literally three people in the lab. And that's what I think a lot of people don't really understand is that a lot of labs are not big at all. Again, you kind of have just enough people, barely enough people to handle all the samples coming in, but like, yeah, like... You might imagine this big assembly line of lab techs like working on all these different samples, but in microbiology, that's usually not the case. There's usually not as much um, automation in microbiology because the samples are just, also that sound, I don't know if you can hear it on the microphone, but those are rumble strips. They're like less scary speed bumps they're tiny speed bumps that make your car rumble to encourage you to slow the fuck down but anyway yes so I don't know where I was I got so distracted by talking about the rumble strips so yeah hospital labs are not very big at all and when I left yesterday there were literally three people in the lab it was one technician who was dealing with all incoming samples receiving them into the computer and depending on the sample, setting them up because guess what? Other diseases and infections are still a thing. You know, we're all talking about COVID, but there are a ton of other infectious diseases that are still infecting people. So especially now with elective surgeries being a thing again, okay, Why are pickup truck drivers such assholes? I don't understand. I'm going well above the speed limit and this guy is riding my ass. I don't want to admit that on a public forum, but I am because this guy, I am going 130 on a highway where the speed limit is technically 100. The cars in front of me are going 130, so I am just going with traffic. And this guy is passing, he was riding my ass and the first moment he gets, he tries to pass me. So he's going like 150 on a highway that's only 100. I don't understand. Anyway, so there's the one technician who's dealing with all incoming samples and is also, like, any all of those samples that we have to pack up, which, again, are in the hundreds, she has to pack them up. Luckily, last night there weren't that many after I left, but on the weekdays, it's insane. And then there is one technologist who is running the COVID tests, and then another technologist who is processing like the other samples so seriously this guy is such an asshole so there's traffic now on the highway and like you know you can only do so much in traffic and this guy's like in his lane like swerving angrily behind the car that's in front of him but that car is not going extra slow or anything because there's traffic they are going with the traffic and this guy is like in the lane but he's rocking his car back and forth like pretending he's trying to get around them but he obviously can't because the lane to the left is not a lane it's the shoulder and there's a car in the lane to the right of him so I just I don't understand seriously like do you have to shit that bad just pull up to the side of the road squat the grass is really tall here dude like you don't have to be such an asshole anyway This is what happens when I record while I drive. I just rant about all the shitty drivers. Yes, so labs are overwhelmed. Don't get me wrong, it is absolutely great that we are able to open up testing to everyone because again, like if you're asymptomatic, that doesn't mean you're in the clear. But I just wish we had more resources to deal with it. And also I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that some people have had to be turned away from testing because um, the records are showing that they're coming in like every other day. In which case, you're kind of an asshole. Because yes, just because you tested negative at this moment doesn't mean that you will be negative two days later. Because again, like if you're going to the grocery store, if you're... Um, like sitting out a patio, there's a good chance of exposure. But, like, if you've tested negative and you're still asymptomatic, if you are that worried, just self-isolate and see. Don't go and get tested because here's the thing. You, we can only run so many samples at a time. We can only process so many samples at a time. So it's just like anything the more samples we're getting the longer that wait time could potentially be the lab that we are sending our other swabs to so again these are swabs that we just don't have the capacity to test they require a different instrument and we just got that instrument but we got a smaller version of it I think so it's very limited so most of our swabs are going to this other lab with a much more capable much bigger machine and also a lot more staff but even then because all the other hospitals are basically doing the same thing to this hospital they are four days behind <laughs> so which they started out with a 24-hour turnaround time so 24 hours between the swab getting collect or them receiving the swab and the results coming through now and then it was 48 and then it was I believe 72 and now we're being told like yeah we're not able to process them until like four days later so the more samples the longer the wait and really that was why hospitals started testing in-house in the first place it's because Public health was starting to take so long to get results back because they were also overwhelmed with samples. Um, Since, of course, uh, at the time they were getting samples from every single hospital in the entire province. And in case you don't know, Ontario is a pretty big province. So, yeah, it's, it's frustrating when people are acting so frivolously with testing, like just because the test is available, doesn't mean you can go and be reckless just because things are reopening, doesn't mean you can go and be reckless. Just like, just think about things, right? Just don't be an asshole. Look, I know it's been frustrating having to be in lockdown. Even for an introvert like me, I was very excited to be able to see my friends again and to just go out, rather than just straight to the grocery store. Not that I really go out anywhere anyway, but, like, having the option is still nice. So, like, I understand that need to socialize and interact and go out and enjoy the summer. But still be careful. But, yeah, wear a mask if you're around other people. If you're hanging out with close friends, then make sure that they were people who were actually social distancing and keeping themselves safe because it likely means they're not infected so you won't get infected. Stuff like that. Just be a normal thinking human being. Anyway, I think that's all I have to rant about on this situation. Uh, yeah, as per usual you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at several tangents. I am more on Twitter than I am on Instagram because Instagram posts require effort <laughs> while Twitter is just a brain dump. So yeah, I'm on Twitter. You can find me ranting there. You can also find me on my other podcast, which I do with Natalie from some kind of Brown. The podcast is called forensic friends where I teach you about forensics and science and Natalie teaches you about forensic and science. Adju- adjacent 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 things i don't know why i said adjacent like ajushi like like i was trying to speak korean or something anyway that's it for now goodbye